Nine Ways the Syrup is Changing with Gerald Murphy. InSearch SEO Podcast is brought to you by Rank Ranger, the all-in-one SEO platform that helps scale your business through data and analytics. Hey, it's David. How closely do you keep an eye on how the SERP is changing? And how is the changing SERP changing the way that SEO should be done? Those are just two of the topics that we're going to be covering today with a man whose favourite cuisines include Indian, Indonesian and Vietnamese. He's presented at Brighton SEO three times, and he works with various stakeholders to create unique SEO functionality over at SimilarWeb. A warm welcome to the InSearch SEO podcast, Gerald Murphy. Thank you very much indeed for having me today, David. Well, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, you can find Gerald over at SimilarWeb.com. So, Gerald, how closely would you say that SEOs actually need to keep an eye on the SERP? Well, first of all, you definitely need to do it on a weekly basis, particularly for keywords that matter to your website. So if you're in e-commerce and retail, they're going to matter to your most important lines of business, where that website makes the most money. And essentially, when it comes to the SERP, it's also thinking about how people may discover your website. So looking at it, as part of a weekly report is critical because it's actually a very volatile world out there. There's SERP features that are released literally this year in 2022 that just haven't even been released globally that are being tested, for example, in the United States. I remember when I started out with SEO, it was just... Um 10 lines, 10, 10 links, and that was it, but slightly different from with queries nowadays. Indeed so. So today you're sharing nine ways that the SERP is changing. So starting off with number one, surplus. So, so what does surplus mean? Indeed so. It's actually her search itself started out back in the day. You know, remarkably, search goes back to 1945 by a US scientist called Venevar Bush. Um, and what he basically did is created information retrieval back then using electronic equipments. And back then, when you think about things that like searching for information, it was maybe you're asking a neighbour for a suggestion on a babysitter. That was a surplus world before web search engines came about. What essentially has happened is web search engines came originally, they had really basic SERPs, the 10 blue links, as you've mentioned, and essentially over the years, they've started to add other features to in essence help us find information as quickly as possible. They're the SERP features. And there's been a massive big change in, in the number of those actual features over the years across all markets. Um, and as I mentioned before, in the United States, it typically is for the engines, the main market that tests occur for those features themselves. And actually what we're moving towards is with things like voice um, activated searches, for example, Alexa or Google Home, that's then mm. actually becoming into a surplus world again. So we're moving away towards actually looking at a screen, but actually just asking someone and they're talking back. This time it's electronically rather than the neighbour on the street. Wow. I remember kind of going back to my own experience again, maybe getting started in about 1999, one of the most common search engines in the UK was Ask Jeeves. That's and right. we're always going back to there because Ask Jeeves, you know, just what is the answer to this particular question? <laughs> Massively. So number two is complex SEO behaviours. Indeed. So I mentioned before, it's like asking a neighbour and that actually has a lot of complexity behind it. Who are you going to ask? Um, have they got experience in this thing? And in essence, in, in the world of SERP, it's actually making sure that the right things are actually ranking at the right moment, those little micro moments. And that's actually what SERP features are there and aim to do. But online, when you add our really complex 
um, psychologies and how we find information, people can ask for the same thing in very different ways. Essentially, what we have also developed online is really complex behaviors of finding information. So the best person to actually um, read about this is a guy called Peter Morville. And what he did is actually broke down six core online behaviors when it comes to looking for information on a SERP. Um, an incredibly complex piece of work. But he simplified it really beautifully and he, and he started to showcase some examples. So for example, there's one called Pearl Growing. And essentially what that means is we maybe come across a topic, whether it's through a billboard in a street, we do a search for that, but we're not actually experts in that particular topic. Therefore, we don't have the key words to formulate. And what we're doing is in essence using the SERP to better understand other related terms or little snippets of information. For example, using a few lines of the description on the SERP to better understand that keyword. And then what we would do is actually start to do a search with other keywords and we pearl grow out and really helps us to, to develop our knowledge of that topic. And of course, one of the most famous ones I believe in the industry is pogo sticking. The idea here, when you actually are on the SERP, you go to your results, you go back to it and you pogo stick to and from. And that's what he describes as search at its best as a conversation because actually you're, you're pogo sticking on loads of results. You're getting other ideas and actually you're going back to and from and really fully utilizing the system. And it's also a really good indication that those results are actually very high quality. Yeah, I'm sure it's a lot of SEOs will be looking into that further. Um, what you're initially saying there about, um, I guess, websites trying to sometimes rank for keywords that weren't absolutely core to what they do, is, is a learning from that that SEOs probably need to encourage content writers and themselves to actually stop a ranking for any terms that um aren't quite so core to the business and may result in poor click-through rates and just focus much more on terms that are right, um, right more close to, to, to exactly what they do as a business. Absolutely. And the other thing that SERP Features does is really it maximizes your digital assets. So for example, there's, there's video as a SERP feature and what it's doing within a company is actually helping a company to promote videos as a digital asset on a search engine like Google or Bing. Um, and essentially it's really making sure that we're thinking about what our keyword strategy is, but more strategically thinking about those as digital assets. And you're absolutely buying on. Relevancy is the absolute key, not just mm. for the SERP feature, but actually of the core keywords. So it's not just about literally having a scattergun approach where you're just randomly doing various things. It's really thinking about of all of the keywords that I care about and add value to my performance online, What's the data showing? What are the biggest potential SERP features that I could be optimizing for? And that's how you really start to open up that conversation. And number three is SERP feature evolution. Absolutely. So SERP features, our data has shown, we actually did an analysis from January 2020 right up to March of this year. And what we noticed is that SERP features themselves are growing hugely, um, i.e. the number of keywords that actually have SERP features associated with them. But actually, as I mentioned before, there's actually new SERPs that are constantly occurring that are out there. So the best guy um, I would recommend is Brody Clark. Brody Clark's 
constantly doing stuff on SERPs and he's doing things like things to know is a new SERP feature. For instance, if you're doing a search for um, coffee grinding, it's actually looking at things like tips for coffee grinding. A bit like what you have with people also ask and, and related questions mm -hmm. where you've got these little drops drop downs of the features. And what it's doing there is actually feeding you with more information directly on the SERP. But crucially, what our data also showed, what we did when we analyzed it, is SERP features are actually becoming a lot more real-time. And again, on Google, what we saw was when we overlaid SERP features for Google Maps, and we overlaid it with the three national lockdowns in the United Kingdom, we actually saw that it took Google about two months to reduce the number of Google Maps um, as an actual SERP feature because it realized in the real world very few people could go to physical locations. In the second and third lockdown, it literally took them a few weeks. They actually right. started to feed the system and acknowledge what's going on in the real world in line with SERP features. So actually the future of SERP features isn't just about they're getting bigger, it's actually becoming more clever and actually using a lot of different data sources to better serve searchers. Yeah, I love that also asked section that, that comes in, I believe, just over 50% of, of queries. Uh, episode 112 of the InSearch SEO podcast interviews Mark Williams Cook. He's the founder of AlsoAsked.com. Um, so it's a nice bit of software to zone in on, on those types of keyword phrases there. Um, moving on to number four, quality importance for ranking. Yeah, so now what search engines are doing is they're actually using multiple different data sets. Um, and going back to that example I, I mentioned earlier about like asking the neighbour and finding information literally through conversations, search engines equally take that massive, big, broad approach. This this whole concept is information retrieval and informatics and, and those types of, of disciplines in um, academia world. But essentially what it's also doing is taking that really broad approach. So right now we're both in a room, but there's a lot of information in this room. It's the speed, the temperature, the direction of the very air that's in it. Um, and what search engines are also doing is taking that massive broad approach in terms of qualifying, is this the best page for this particular keyword? And they're constantly always reviewing that information, not let alone leaving aside things like updates that they do um, too. So essentially, quality importance is all around EAT, EAT, particularly for um, the core web search engines of Google, Yahoo and Bing, for example. Um, and really, it's not just about, you know, thinking if I put a title with this keyword in it and I maybe have a paragraph of text, that's going to make me rank. Really, it's about content strategy. Really, it's about screaming that I know about this keyword and here's how I know it. Because I have, for example, an author that actually specializes in this topic. I actually have other areas of expertise, for example, um, that can showcase this particular topic. Yeah, I love that. And I think that that's certainly a wonderful opportunity to identify keyword phrases that are more optimum opportunities to try to rank for. If you see that the SERP for a keyword phrase that you want to target contains an answer that isn't ideal, that isn't of high quality, and you know you could do a better job, then that's that, that's uh, probably a better opportunity than a keyword phrase with more search volume. Is, is, is that something you you'd agree with? Absolutely. So search volume is a good indication to, to look in terms of relevancy, but also to think about it in terms of the buyer or consumer journey. Um, what keywords, when they're grouped, what, what ones are really effective, particularly for SERP features, is when you split them up into awareness, consideration, decision and intent. So let's say, for example, we worked for a stationery company. Paper would be an awareness term. It's so broad. Do they mean wallpaper? Do they mean actually a newspaper? Whereas when someone does a search, for example, for 
A4 printer paper, that would maybe be more of a consideration keyword, so the second phase. Um, and typically that will have a lot less searches than the word paper. Equally so, it may be that someone has actually searched for things like A4 printer paper. That's a decision example of a keyword where the searcher knows exactly what they want and equally then on the flip side you've got inspiration which is maybe for example making a plane out of an A4 printer paper where you can fly in the air for instance um, and in essence when you've got that set up particularly at least for your most core business or topic area of your website you can then start to see what are the most prominent SERP features for each of those categories and that can be incredibly insightful. And number five is integration of different engines on each engine. Indeed. Yeah, it sounds a bit weird at the start, but essentially what it means is different search engines can rank on their results. So for example, on Google, someone could do a search for Bing News and actually, of course, Bing ranks on Google. But crucially, when you start looking at other engines that aren't really web search engines as such, um, i.e., for instance, YouTube. Now, when you start looking at YouTube, you'll actually see that there's millions of YouTube results, for instance, in the United States on Google. And what actually is happening there is, yes, of course, they're part of the same company, Alphabet. But what it actually does indirectly is actually potentially use that data to start building out your integrated search strategy. That's mm. to say, if you've got a lot of keywords that are showing videos, you might want to start thinking about having a YouTube specific strategy, not necessarily ranking for videos on Google. So the mm. trick here with SERP features is not to always get bogged down with one source. It's really to utilize that data, see what the trends are to maximize your website's performance. Love it. So really dig into and have a think about the likely style of content that the user um, is expecting to and would like to see for a particular keyword phrase. Absolutely. Taking us up to number six, keyword slash query understanding. Yeah, so what search engines, and this is the future actually of search, what they're now trying to do with even things like, for example, Google Discover is trying to feed us information. Um, but when we're in that pool phase, when we're actually going to a search engine and actually asking it for a particular query, they're not today just trying to understand what the searcher's searching for now. What are they likely to search for next? And actually, that's why things like in, in Google's world, you've got like BERT, um, which is basically all around natural language processing type stuff. And what it's trying to do is to work out linguistics and conversations that may actually be be searched for. So for instance, for you and I, it's very logical to think, who is the prime minister? What age are they? We already know that that's associated mm. with an entity, in this case, a prime minister of a particular country. But actually, in the world of search, they're trying to get into that 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 mind, mindset of really trying to think about, okay, what would this searcher want for next so that I can actually better serve the searcher with really relevant results and suggestions of SERP features like people also ask, auto-complete, auto-suggestion, all of those types of stuff. So that takes us up to number seven, devices slash mobile. Indeed. And the other thing is too, yes, mobile is really important. Search engines are now prioritizing it in terms of like how they index websites and so on. But actually, when you look at SERP features, they're vastly different on both devices. Of course, it makes sense. Mobile is a much smaller screen. You can't put things like, for example, loads of instant answers because that in essence would be the entire screen for the most part. So actually the, not the SERP features themselves not only differ in terms of quantity, but actually in terms of the SERP features themselves, they change enormously. For instance, apps as a SERP feature is 
basically designed for mobile, not for desktop. So when we're looking at even basic things like tracking keywords and looking at SERP features, we have to be also very cautious that if our website is getting even 20-30% of their traffic from desktop, the SERP features are vastly different. So we need to be looking at both devices and comparing the SERP features too, because it may be that a part of our content strategy is actually designed towards getting those desktop users um, into our website through really good digital assets via SERP features. Um, obviously, that means that um, if you've got an app that's available on, for example, Google Play, then you can indicate to Google that that app exists and um, get them to potentially even feature that within the SERP. Um, but I, I guess you need to be a little bit careful about that and clever about that because there are certain keyword phrases that... Um, don't want an app. They just want a very specific answer to a question. Um, so should website managers get um, very specific about the keyword phrase that um, brings up the app? Absolutely. Um, and that's a really, really good point, actually. And this is actually why SERP features themselves exist, because what they're trying to do is trying to feed a medium that they feel is most applicable to a particular keyword. But again, search engines still have a long, long way to go. So for instance, there was um, a professor in the United States um, who did a big analysis on image search. Um, I think it was last year. I must actually share the link round. And essentially what she found out is when you search for professor in the United States, most of the image results were about 70% of them were of white male professors. So actually, when you looked at images alone, when you're looking at that in a market that has over 50% of professors are female, and there's a substantial amount of them are people of color, SERP features themselves individually need to really, really grow and develop. And there's actually Mm. a lot of biases towards. So actually, it's going back on your point of sometimes there are keywords that are very biased towards certain SERP features and engines are today trying to work out what those little things are so that they can actually tweak their algorithm. Absolutely. And that that relates to potential biases in in AI. And um, they're only learning off things that have happened in the past and I guess previous biases from humans. Completely. So that takes us up to number eight, which is zero clicks. Indeed. So, you know, it's a metric we have on the platform. So at a keyword level or a keyword list level, you can get the average zero click um, soon to be trended over time. And essentially what it's allowing you to do is to see things like when people do a search for a keyword, how many people click on nothing. So for example, what age is Joe Biden um, in the US? 95% of people do who do that search, a substantial amount of people, click on nothing. Zero clicks are actually a really powerful metric, not just in terms of picking the right keywords, but actually it showcases that SERP features are doing their job. Because in this case, when you're asking for questions explicit like that, the SERP feature actually answers it. In that case, uh, an instant answer is actually showcasing that. And also what it does down below is of those 5% of people who do click, they may click on other SERP features, like for example, related people. And they're really understanding various entities to that query. I was thinking when you said, how old is Joe Biden? And then then you said 95. I was thinking, he can't be that old. But no, no. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And in relation to zero clicks, is it actually possible for an SEO to measure the positive impact 
of your brand being featured on a SERP result but not being clicked on? Absolutely. So you can you can definitely look at the at the, um, the key, at a keyword level uh, or a keyword list level and look at the zero clicks. That's actually why one of the reasons why you want to trend the metric actually over time. But when you start overlaying that with actually a SERP feature, like for example, instant answers, even for instance, it could be even product listed ads or shopping feeds from a paid search perspective. And in essence, that can really help you to better analyze and understand what is going on with my performance. Because unfortunately, when you're looking at some like um, console tools, like Bing Webmaster Tools, for, for instance, it doesn't actually give you that really deep layer of data. And that's actually why we do need to be looking at tracking keywords and so on. And taking us up to number nine, personalization. Indeed. So I've read an article and I think it was actually mostly it was a conversation on on Twitter um, last year in which people were saying like, would Gmail, would my personal Gmail, for example, be a SERP feature? And like, is, are we moving towards a much more personalized world? Um, so it's kind of bringing us on, I guess, a bit more to the, the future of SERP features. I don't believe so. I think actually the search engines are probably going to be a bit more cautious with things like um, GDPR here in Europe um, around like what sort of things we're doing with information. But essentially SERP features um, do have the potential to, and they are personalized to a topic whereby they're kind of saying things like actually there should be a lot of paid search type of features for retail websites kind of makes sense in many ways but actually definitely the future is to look around personalization and um, but also to you know to, to think about what is the the next thing and that's why looking at this data is incredibly important today yeah it's challenging for everyone because i think the general public isn't ready for a hyper level of personalized serp because for example Completely. when i book a flight and I get a receipt in my Gmail and then maybe I search for the flight in Google, then I see the flight results. You're flying on this date to this um, um, location. And even me, I think, how do you know that? But so I think generally someone that doesn't have a background in SEO might be a little bit perturbed by the fact that there's so Completely. much personal information in the SERP. Completely. And it's always about striking that balance, just like SERP features, like they do want to overload um, SERP features. Uh, remarkably, I think this year there's been tests done where um, Brody Clark's the one that um, highlighted this on Twitter. I think he mentioned that there's actually two people also ask boxes on the SERP results. So actually, rather than just looking at one SERP and thinking, um, there's only one of that as an actual entity or space on the SERP. There actually may be potentially where it's trying to really better understand and provide multiple SERP features that are actually the same to actually help us to get to what we need. Well, let's finish off with... The Pareto Pickle. So Pareto says you can get 80% of your results from 20% of your efforts. What's one SEO activity that you would recommend that provides incredible results for modest levels of effort? Simple answer, internal links. Really know what your authoritative pages are. Know which pages are doing really, really well from a SERP feature, a keyword rank perspective. Use all the other data we've discussed on today, for instance, zero clicks, but really then making sure that when they're relevant, you're linking to each of those pages to flow that link juice um, around the website. And that will really help spread your authority um, across, across the domain, which has actually a nice little lift, especially when they're all connected to really, really relevant URLs that are really, really relevant to each topics. Wonderful stuff. I've been your host, David Bain. You can find Gerald over at SimilarWeb.com. Gerald, thanks so much for being on the InSearch SEO podcast. Thank you very much indeed. And thank you for listening. Check out all the previous episodes and sign up for a free trial of the Rank Ranger platform over at RankRanger.com.